0: Good afternoon to all of you here in London, and good morning uh, to all of those in the United States. and They're connected live uh, to us uh, for this presentation and question and answer session. We're delighted that we're meeting uh, with you face-to-face here in London. We also have the opportunity of a live link with New York. In London, I have with me Byron Grote, well known to all of you, Tony Hayward, my successor, CEO-designate, uh, John Manzoni, uh, Vivian Cox, who's in the audience here, and Bob Dudley, along with other members of the leadership team. And in New York, we have Bob Malone as our host, along with Ian Conn, David Allen, Andy Ingalls, and other members of the US leadership team. I'm delighted that Andy Ingalls has recently been appointed to the board to lead the e segment taking over from Tony Hayward. Before we start, I'd like to draw your attention to two items. Firstly, I'd like to draw your attention to the words on this slide. We may make forward-looking statements which are identified by the use of the words will, expect and similar phrases. Actual results may differ from these plans or forecasts for a number of reasons, such as those noted on this slide. Secondly, as this slide points out, the presentation today contains some non-gap measures. A reconciliation of these non-gap measures to the nearest gap measures can be found on our website. As you know, uh, my friend and long-standing colleague, Tony Hayward, was recently named by the Board as my successor. Tony and I have worked closely together. For at least a decade and a half and I'm excited about him leading the company. We've already begun our transition. Tony has the skills and experience to lead the company to further success over the coming years. He will also have the support of a very able team we've built over the last few years. I was thinking the other day that this is my 47th results presentation as CEO. These events uh, have been events I've actually always looked forward to, a sort of report card as we've built a truly great company. Now some report cards were better than others, but by and large when you step back you can see what's been accomplished. There's been a lot of noise and talk about BP this last year. A lot of this has obscured many of the great accomplishments of our staff around the world. Finally, let me say that it's been a real privilege to have had the opportunity to lead BP in a period when it's become an international company at the forefront of the energy industry and to work with so many talented people both inside the company and outside it. And I include all of you, if I may. I'm sure that there's plenty of occasions to thank people in the next six months uh, until the end of July uh, for the opportunities that I've had and for the support I've received. Now back to today. Today and over the coming months, there is work to do, and we need to get to it. I'll start, as usual, by reviewing O6 in general, after which Byron will take us in detail through the 4Q and full year results, which were disclosed in our SEA this morning. Then I'd like to talk about the strategic positioning of the company and the operating priorities we're pursuing. Our focus today is on E&P, which will be covered by Tony and by Bob Dudley, the CEO of TNKBP, and on refining and marketing, which John Manzoni will discuss. After that, I'm going to pull it all together in terms of guidance for the forthcoming year. And after the Q&A session that we're going to have, the leadership teams in London and New York will be available for further discussions. So first to the results. In '06, we delivered a replacement cost profit of $22.3 billion, up 15% over last year. And this is equivalent to 111.1 cents per share, up 22% over '05, showing the additional benefits of share buybacks. The post-tax operating cash flow was $28.2 billion, up 5% over '05. The quarterly dividend to be paid in March will be 10.325 cents per share, up 5% on the prior quarter and 10% higher than last year. We distributed $23.2 billion to shareholders, including $15.5 billion in share buybacks, thereby reducing shares in issue by around 6%. We realized $6.3 billion from disposals and our financial condition is strong with gearing ending the year at 20%, at the bottom of our target range, 20 to 30%. Now, although we had record results, several incidents have occurred in the US that have negatively impacted on performance and hurt our reputation. We had two spills in Alaska, the start-up of th- the, hunt- the Horse field was further delayed, with knock-on impact on Atlantis, and there were allegations of improper trading activities in the United States associated with the propane market. We've taken actions to investigate these issues, to learn from them, and to respond to them. The report of the Baker Panel on US Refining, which I commissioned following the Texas City refinery incident in 05, is unique in its subject matter breadth and clarity. As we've made clear, BP commits to implement the panel's 10 recommendations. BP is now consulting with the panel on how best to do this across our U.S. refineries and how to apply the lessons learned elsewhere in our operations. As the report acknowledges, BP has made significant changes to its process safety systems since the accident at Texas City. But we can do more, and we will do more. It will make a difference to BP and to the industry as a whole. I believe we are making good progress and are in the early stages of transforming BP into a leader in process safety, as the panel recommends. Our 07 plans already include significant investments on integrity management, and I'll discuss these later. There were, as I mentioned earlier, many positives in 06. Across the group, our staff continued to perform strongly. Their efforts enabled us to achieve a number of milestones. Our reserves replacement year ratio, using reserves calculated in accordance with SEC guidance, was 113% on a combined basis of subsidiaries and equity-accounted equity entities, excluding the effects of acquisitions and divestitures. We've elected to move solely to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission basis of reserves reporting to simplify disclosures and to allow for easier comparison to competitors. We continued our strong track record with ten new discoveries, including Kaskida, Titania, Urano and in the Uvat area. We secured a new access option in Pakistan, an initial presence in India and in Oman, which was announced last month. We started nine new upstream projects, notably the Baku-Tbilisi-Jéhan pipeline and the gas condensates project from Inaminas in Algeria. We started Texas City safely and have so far achieved a production rate of about 250,000 barrels per day. We commissioned the first LNG receiving terminal at Guangdong, China. We made significant progress in alternative energy by building momentum in wind and solar through capacity increases. And we announced plans to invest $3 billion at the Whiting refinery in the US to process heavy crudes from Canada. So in summary, record results, a number of significant milestones, but some major incidents. Let's now have Byron take us through the key aspects for 4Q and the full results for 06. Byron.
1: Thank you, John. Good day. I'll now elaborate on our fourth quarter and full year results, starting with a summary of the trading environment. Overall, the trading environment weakened significantly during the fourth quarter. I'll now look at each of our indicators in turn. After increasing over most of the previous two years, our average oil realization declined in the fourth quarter to around $56 per barrel although it's still 5% higher than in 4Q05. By contrast, our average gas realization has been relatively flat since the second quarter. Our 4Q gas realization of around $4.40 per thousand cubic feet was 30% lower than than the quarterly peak experienced a year earlier. Taking both oil and gas together, our total hydrocarbon realization was 10% lower than in 4Q05, but still 12% higher on a full year basis compared with last year. Our refining indicator margin in the fourth quarter was $6.30 per barrel, 17% lower than in 4Q05, and around half the peak level seen over the past two years. Finally, although not shown on the slide, retail margins in 4Q were significantly lower than both the prior quarter and a year earlier. Turning now to the financials, I'll focus my comments on our fourth quarter results shown at the top of the slide. Our replacement cost profit was $3.9 billion, 12% lower in absolute terms than 4Q05, and down 6% on a per share basis. Our profit, including inventory gains and losses, was $2.9 billion, down 22% compared to last year. These figures include charges from non-operating items, which were around $200 million in aggregate in 4Q06. I'll describe these items in more detail when discussing individual segment results. Fourth quarter operating cash flow of $5 billion, was 17% higher than a year earlier and up 24% on a per share basis, reflecting the benefit of share buybacks. The 10.325 cent per share dividend announced today, which will be paid in March, is up 5% on the prior quarter and 10% higher than a year ago. The sterling dividend is down slightly year on year reflecting the sharply weaker dollar. Whilst we recognize the effect the exchange rate has had on the sterling dividend, let me remind you that this is a dollar business and we manage the financial framework of the group on that basis. Despite the softer 4Q environment, our full-year replacement cost profit of $22.3 billion is 15% higher than 2005 in absolute terms, and up 22% on a per-share basis. We also generated 5% higher operating cash flow than in 2005. I'll now summarize our segment results, starting with exploration and production. In e we reported a pre-tax profit of $5.1 billion for the fourth quarter, compared with $6.6 billion in 4Q05. This reflects lower gas realizations and lower volumes, the continued impact of sector-specific inflation, greater integrity spend and higher non-cash costs. Non-operating charges for the quarter improved versus last year, mainly due to the relative change in the valuation of embedded derivatives relating to our North Sea gas contracts. Excluding non-operating items, our underlying result was $5.2 billion. Reported fourth quarter production of 3.84 million barrels of oil equivalent per day declined 5% relative to 4Q05. However, taking into account the impact of disposals and lower entitlement in our production sharing contracts, production was broadly flat. The TNKBP fourth quarter contribution of approximately $180 million was much lower than 4Q05, reflecting the absence of last year's divestment gains and the adverse effect of lag tax reference prices, which I highlighted in last quarter's webcast. Turning now to refining and marketing, we reported a fourth-quarter profit of just over $300 million. Excluding non-operating items, our underlying result was $600 million higher than a year ago. This reflects higher refining throughput at Texas City and the absence of the significant rationalization costs taken in 4Q05 along with a smaller charge from IFRS fair value accounting. These positive factors were partly offset by higher turnaround costs, greater integrity spend, and lower refining and marketing margins. Our 4Q result in gas power and renewables increased to $470 million. This includes a significant contribution from non-operating items mainly related to gains from disposals. Excluding non-operating items, the underlying result was down $200 million versus last year. This reflects lower contributions from our NGL and gas marketing and trading businesses, as well as a smaller fair value accounting gain. In other business and corporate or OBNC, the fourth quarter underlying charge was just under $100 million. This brought the full year charge to around $900 million in line with the guidance that I provided you last February. Looking to 2007, we expect a similar annual charge for OBNC of around $900 million, with an uncertainty ban of plus or minus $200 million. Consistent with previous guidance, we expect the effective tax rate on earnings to be around 37%. This compares with a 35% rate in 2006, which was impacted by a number of once-off items. This guidance is based on the assumption of similar market conditions as in 2006. The rules of thumb that some of you use to model our results have remained largely unchanged. As in the past, these should be considered simply as broad directional indicators, which are more useful on an annual basis than for quarter on quarter comparisons and for price moves within a much narrower range than we've seen over the past few years. Returning to the 2006 results, this slide compares our sources and uses of cash for the past two years. Cash inflows in 2006 were more than $34 $34 billion. Operating cash flow exceeded $28 billion, and disposals added more than $6 billion. Uses of cash remain consistent with our strategic intent. We have reinvested nearly $16 billion of this cash back into the businesses, and also increased total shareholder distributions by 22% to $23 billion. Our net debt ratio ended the year at 20%. The 4Q increase reflects normal year-end working capital and tax phasing. Consistent with our commitment to distribute 100% of all excess free cash flow to investors, we brought back $15.5 billion of shares in 2006. We also issued the last tranche of shares related to TNKBP. The net effect was a 6% reduction in shares. Buybacks are continuing in 2007. Since the start of the year, $1 billion of shares have been purchased under our closed-period buyback program. We now have fewer shares outstanding than immediately prior to the ARCO acquisition in April of 2000. That concludes my presentation of the results. Now back to John.
0: Byron, thank you. Those were the results, uh, but they should always be seen in the longer-term context. Strategy is the starting point. During the last decade, we've operated a strategy which has enabled us to shape our business direction, respond to the external environment, and make portfolio choices. It is based on economies of scale, quality of assets, and the responsiveness to market trends. has enabled us to deliver distinctive growth across a number of dimensions. Since 1995, uh, our production has grown almost threefold to 3.9 million barrels of oil equivalent per day, and production per share has increased by a factor of one and a half. At the same time, the share of gas production has more than doubled and we're now the second-largest gas producer amongst IOCs with production of 8.4 billion cubic feet of gas per day. A major part of our success has been the number of discoveries and reserves added through exploration along with the lowest finding cost per barrel in the industry. This has contributed to our reserves more than doubling to 17.7 billion barrels of oil equivalent. Our footprint is much larger. The number of countries in which we produce more than 100,000 barrels per day has increased from three in 95 to eight in 06. And we now have significant positions in the deep-water Gulf of Mexico, Trinidad, Angola and Azerbaijan, while maintaining our strong presence in Alaska and the North Sea. We have also established a significant footprint in Russia with investments of around $10 billion dollars through our joint venture TNK BP. consistent with our strategy over this period, we have divested assets generating over $56 billion of proceeds, of which $25 billion was in respect of ENP assets. These numbers include the divestment of the non-core olefins and derivatives portfolio in petrochemicals, whilst retaining the PTA and acetals business where we are market leaders with advantaged technology. In the downstream, we've also increased our footprint since '95. Our total refining capacity has grown roughly by 40% and the average refinery size has increased from 120,000 barrels a day to 215,000 barrels a day. We have a portfolio of advantaged and complex refineries in some of the most profitable markets. We're restless in our pursuit to bridge resources and consumer markets with our downstream presence in 100 countries catering to some 13 million customers a day with a leading competitive position in most of the major markets where we operate. We're also the largest gas m- marketer in the United States and are building a new energy business in alternative energy. Between 95 and 2006, our market capitalisation more than quadrupled and our share price outperformed the FTSE All-Share Index and the S&P. To summarise, our portfolio choices, driven by enduring strategic principles, have created a very strong company with a distinctive asset and reserve base, well positioned for the future. Over the same period, there has been a significant evolution in the energy markets. World energy markets have seen important changes over the last decade, although there are probably elements of continuity. Most notably, prices have obviously increased sharply. In 1995, dated Brent averaged $17 a barrel and Henry Hub traded for $1.66 per million BTU and BP's refinery indicator margin was about $2.30 a barrel. Since 1995, world oil consumption has increased by about 14 million barrels a day, about 20%. Half of that growth was met by new non-OPEC supplies, primarily from growth in production in former Soviet Union countries. OPEC's share of world oil production is virtually the same today as it was in 1995. In addition, OPEC's surplus capacity in 1995 was about 3 million barrels a day, as it is now. Global-proved oil reserves have increased over this decade by about 17%, or roughly 170 billion barrels to 1,200 billion barrels, including an increase of nearly 60 billion barrels in non-OPEC reserves. Natural gas reserves have also increased by about 25%. So there's no shortage of hydrocarbons in the world. Turning now to 06. In 06, the world economy grew just under 4%, somewhat faster than in 05. This continued to support modest oil demand growth of around 1%, despite continued strength in oil prices. For 07, we expect global economic growth to moderate somewhat. Global oil demand growth should be slightly above the 06 figure. In 06, the year-on-year growth in non-OPEC volumes resumed, reaching 0.6 million barrels per day, close to the 10-year average. Unlike 05, hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico didn't disrupt supplies. Elsewhere, production continued to grow in Angola, Russia, Azerbaijan, Canada, and Brazil, offset by declines in the North Sea And other mature provinces. Non-OPEC supply is expected to expand by about 1 million barrels per day in 07. Crude oil prices rose steadily in the first half of 06 due to a variety of factors including concern over risk to supply and low OPEC surplus capacity. By October however, OPEC members announced a new round of production cuts in the face of rising inventories and falling prices. By year-end 06, OPEC's surplus capacity was near the 10-year average of 3 million barrels per day, despite ongoing production losses in Nigeria. The net result of these dynamics was that the Brent oil price averaged over $65 a barrel, up 19% from the 05 level, although the decline in oil prices, which started in the second half of 06, continued in January. We continue to believe that there's good medium support for prices to average above $40 a barrel. As we've said previously, this presumes no major sustained downturn in demand which could result from a deep and long global recession. Over the longer term, the range of possible price outcomes remains uncertain, and BP has a strategy that's designed to be robust to a very broad range of outcomes. Turning now to gas prices. Price movements in the world's major gas markets were mixed in 06. US natural gas prices declined, while UK prices rose only slightly. Meanwhile, markets in which gas contracts are indexed to crude prices, such as Japan and Germany, saw continued price increases. Prices in the US retreated in 06, falling 16% from 05 levels, in the face of mild winter weather and high inventories. Looking ahead, U.S. gas consumption is expected to grow modestly on the back of continued increases in gas-fired power generation. While the outlook for domestic supply over the medium term is stagnating, LNG imports are expected to increase significantly. At high crude prices, the U.S. market has demonstrated a tendency to balance at prices close to parity with residual fuel oil. Everything else being equal, we expect this relationship to hold as long as prices stay above $40 a barrel. And finally, refining margins. Refining margins continue to be strong in 06. BP's global indicator margin averaged around $8.39 a barrel in 06, down just 1% from 05's record level and still about double the 10-year average. Over the past two years, product demand growth has slowed in the face of higher oil prices, but refining capacity continues to be tight, particularly conversion capacity to upgrade low-value fuel oil. For the next couple of years, the refining environment continues to look robust, particularly for upgraded sites. Capacity growth is unlikely to exceed demand growth significantly until towards the end of this decade, thereby supporting higher than average margins. Capacity growth could then accelerate with new bills in the Middle East and Asia, putting pressure on margins beyond 2010. So within this context, what are our priorities for this year? Tony and I believe that the events of 05 and 06, along with the lessons learned from them, suggest that above all else, we need to concentrate on two things, safety and performance. Safety is fundamental to everything that we will do. We embrace, we will embrace with equal commitment each of the three dimensions of safety, personal safety, process safety and the environment. Our aspiration is to be an industry leader in each. We have a good track record of improvement in personal safety and our performance continues to improve. During 06, seven members of our workforce, including contractors, died in work-related incidents. Every fatality is a tragedy, but the number of fatalities has reduced to the lowest level in nearly 20 years. Of note is the fact that there have been only two vehicle-related workforce fatalities showing significant improvement on driving-related incidents following the implementation of our driving safety standard. We are committed to achieving zero, facilities in our op- zero fatalities in our operations. The recordable injury frequency rate in 06 was the lowest in our history. In 06, Actual spills and integrity-related major incident frequencies have declined by about 23% and 34% respectively on a like-for-like basis. At the same time, the reporting of integrity-related high-potential incidents has increased by about 20%, a good sign showing that we're improving reporting of all incidents at their highest potential so that we can learn. Process safety management, the second dimension of safety, is not new to BP. The Baker panel has reinforced its importance and we've already committed to implementing the panel's recommendations. John Manzoni, Tony and I met with the panel two weeks ago to consult on how best to do this across our US refineries and apply the lessons learned elsewhere in our global operations. We are in action, as the report acknowledges. We are taking a number of specific actions to prove the integrity of our plants and operations. We are implementing the control of work and integrity management standards across the group and building on our existing safety management system, called Getting HSE Right, a new group-wide system called Operations Management System is being implemented. We are reaching a higher sustaining level of Integrity Management spend as we implement the new Integrity Management standard. In 07, our investment is expected to increase by around $1 billion over 06. Our spend on US refining assets has been increased by $500 million to an annual average of $1.7 billion over the next four years. These costs are included in our current plans. We are starting to see improvements in our performance with reductions in major incidents and increased reporting of high potential incidents, as I have already mentioned. The various integrity-related actions will deliver increased operational efficiencies. John Manzoni will talk about that in a moment. The third dimension of safety is the environment for which we have a good track record. Greenhouse gas emissions from our operations decreased last year with real and sustainable reductions of over 1 million tonnes delivered in 06, keeping us on track to achieve our commitment to offset around half our operational emissions growth through energy efficiency measures. A hallmark of BP for a very long time has been its performance drive. Under Tony's leadership, BP will, in the course of the next couple of years, refocus on the material actions required to ensure we are getting the best from our investments. In particular, we expect Texas City to process around 400,000 barrels a day by the end of 07, and Thunderhorse is expected to come on stream by the end of 08. A number of upstream projects will be coming online in 07 and 08, and Tony will discuss those next. Start-up of new projects, along with improvements in operating performance, will enable us to deliver strong financial performance. So I'd now like to turn to our business segments and their future plans and priorities, starting with e and and with Tony. Tony.
2: <coughs> Thanks very much, John. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. What I'd like to do in the next thirty minutes or so, with the help of Bob Dudley, who will update you on TNKBP, is to demonstrate that although the last twelve months have been a difficult period, both for us as a company and you as investors, there are many things that went right and that underpin our confidence in the future of our E&P business. Our reserves continue to grow and we have increasing confidence that our production profile will continue to grow well into the next decade. As many of you have heard me say on previous occasions, our strategy begins with a focused exploration programme. In 2006, we continued our strong track record with 10 discoveries from 17 wells. Notable successes included the Cascida discovery in the deep water Gulf of Mexico and the Titania and Urano discoveries in the ultra-deep water of Block 31 in Angola. In Russia, TNKBP continued a successful exploration programme with a number of significant discoveries in the Uvat area in West Siberia. We have also had significant success in securing access to new options for the future. In Oman, we recently signed a production-sharing agreement to appraise and develop the Kazan-Makaran fields, a very large, tight gas resource which we believe can be developed using the same technology as we're currently deploying at our WAMSATA field in the United States. In Pakistan, we were awarded three offshore exploration licences, covering around 20,000 square kilometres offshore in the Indus Delta, and have recently signed the Heads of Agreement for cross-assignment into a further two licences, covering another 10,000 square kilometres. In India, we established an initial presence through the Bourbon Coalbed Methane Licence in West Bengal. We were also successful in extending our very significant acreage position in the Deepwater Gulf of Mexico, winning over 100 blocks covering more than 2,200 square kilometres in two Gulf of Mexico lease sales. So as we assess 2006 both exploration and new access matched our long-term track record of success. In 2007, we expect to invest around $750 million in core exploration, broadly in line with 2006, and a reflection of the con- continuing depth of our exploration portfolio. Our reserve replacement over time demonstrates the ongoing success of our exploration and renewal activities. As John has already highlighted, we have elected to move to the SEC basis for reserves reporting. On this basis, excluding the effects of acquisitions and divestments, our reserve replacement in 2006 was 113%. Averaged over the last five years, we have replaced over 114% of our reserves and have had a track record of 13 years on this basis Of greater than 100% reserve replacement. Full details in respect of our reserve replacement will be published in our annual report next month. Let me now give you an update of our major projects. The first thing to say is that despite the problems with Thunderhorse and the knock-on impacts on Atlantis, 2006 was on balance a successful year for project delivery. The highlights were, of course, the BTC pipeline and the East Azari development, which came on stream in June and October of last year. The ACG fields are currently producing at around 650,000 barrels of oil equivalent a day on a gross basis and will ramp up to over 750,000 barrels a day by year-end. Overall, the combined projects started up ahead of schedule, including East Azari, which came on almost four months ahead of our schedule and around six months ahead of a typical industry schedule. Elsewhere, we saw the start-up of Inaminas in Algeria, the Cannonball development in Trinidad, the Temsa development in Egypt and Dahlia, the second hub in Block 17 in Angola. Taken together, these four profit centres currently produce around 700,000 barrels of oil equivalent a day net to BP. In 2007, in Angola, we're planning to start up Greater Plutonia, Rosa, and Phase 2 of Kazomba A, all by year-end. In the Deepwater Gulf of Mexico, both Atlantis and the King Subsea Project are on track to start up by year-end. In Trinidad, Red Mango is also expected to start up before year-end. In our North American gas business, we have just announced a major expansion of the Sun 1 coalbed Bed Methane Project, which will contribute for the first time in 2007. Looking to 2010 and beyond, we have a deep slate of major projects that continue to progress into development. In 2006, we took the final investment decision and moved seven major projects into development and conducted active appraisal programmes on a further 30 future developments. Let me now turn to our existing profit centres, which to remind you are Alaska, the North Sea, North American Gas, Latin America, Egypt and the Middle East. Even after adjusting for the effects of disposals and of price on production sharing contracts, production in 2005 and 2006 was lower than we had been forecasting. The reasons for this are higher than expected levels of downtime the failure to achieve targeted improvements in operating efficiency and delays in the execution of infill drilling activity in an overheated supply chain. These problems primarily impacted production in the North Sea and Alaska. In the North Sea, the key issue has been our ability to execute multiple work fronts and to manage the interfaces effectively at a time when the supply chain is under extreme pressure. Over the last year we have invested considerable effort to prioritise and focus activity and establish a reliable foundation for the future. The resource base is robust and appraisal results on the Clare field and the recent acquisition of acreage adjacent to the Andrew field has further increased the opportunity set. Following on from several recent field startups including Clare and Rum the future is further underpinned by a series of major projects, including Scarve in Norway, the redevelopment of Valhalla, expansion of Clare, the Harding area gas development, including the Devonac field, and additional development in the west of Shetlands. We expect to make the final investment decision on all of these projects over the next 12 to 24 months. In Alaska last year, we lost around 25,000 barrels a day primarily because of higher-than-expected downtime at Greater Prudhoe Bay. Despite these problems, we continue to have a very substantial light oil business that over time we expect to transition to heavier, more viscous oil and eventually a major gas business supplying gas to the lower 48. This year's performance in the North Sea in Alaska is clearly disappointing. We have identified key areas of focus for future operational improvements and have taken specific actions in this regard. That said, our forecasts do not assume significant near-term improvement in operational performance in either of these areas. It is important to note that across the EPC portfolio, the major reservoirs continue to perform as expected. The issue is not the quality or quantum of the resource base, but rather it is operational performance, in a couple of key areas affecting the rate at which we're translating resource into production it is the strength and quality of the overall resource base that gives us confidence in the long term the rest of the epc portfolio continues to perform well and north american gas business has a resource base of more than 5 billion barrels of oil equivalent and currently produces around 450,000 barrels of oil equivalent today. The use of key technologies in our coal bed methane and tight gas assets combined with long-term rig and well service commitments have allowed us to level load activities and reap the benefits associated with repeatability and continuity. This has resulted in an average reserve replacement ratio of more than 100% over the last five years. In Argentina, with our Pan American Energy Joint Venture, we continue to see the benefits of the application of BP's technology and management processes combined with the local operating capability of our partners to the very significant resource base. We've grown overall production by 12% per annum since 1999, with gas production growing at 14% per annum, including the development of deep gas that had not been previously accessed. In Egypt we continue to make solid progress in developing a major new gas profit centre. In 2006, we signed a framework agreement to participate in the development of the second LNG train at Damietta. We also continued our appraisal of the Raisin discovery and in the last few weeks have made another significant gas discovery, Giza, which further increases our resource base. Let me now hand over to Bob Dudley who will give you an update on TNKBP. As many of you know, I have been closely involved with the company as a director since its inception in 2003 and I am pleased to report that
3: TNKBP continues to perform very well. Thank you Tony and good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. It's good to be here and as I begin a brief note about governance, I am here representing TNKBP which has four principal shareholders, BP, and the Alpha Access and Renova Groups, BP owns 50% of our shares and our Russian owners between them hold the remaining 50%. Note that the financial results I will refer to are in accordance with U.S. GAAP and the reserve statistics are, like other Russian companies, on a Society of Petroleum Engineers or SPE basis, therefore there will be differences between the numbers I outline and BP's reported share of TNKBP results. Now first, some context. The formation of TNKBP was announced four years ago this month. The company is a leading Russian oil major and produced some 1.94 million barrels of oil or energy equivalent in 2006, comprised of 1.75 million barrels a day of liquids and around 1.1 billion standard cubic feet a day of gas. These figures include the 50% of another Russian company, Slavneft, which TNKBP owns jointly with the Gazprom company, Gazpromneft, or formerly Sibneft. We employ around 70,000 people are, are present in almost all of the major hydrocarbon basins in Russia, with most of our production and reserves concentrated in West Siberia. Our approved liquid reserves at the end of 2005 on an SPE basis were 9.2 billion barrels, and we expect 2006 annual reserve replacements before divestments to be confirmed at over 100 percent, an objective we have achieved each of the last three years. To date, we have not booked significant forward gas reserves, but we have a four-year track record of growing gas sales. We are an integrated company with five refineries and some 1,600 retail outlets in Russia and Ukraine, which are critical to maximizing our margins in Russia. And we are also building profitable marketing businesses in both lubricants and bitumen. Now, everyone knows the business environment in Russia is challenging, but TNKBP does operate successfully as a member of the Russian oil sector and, I believe, remains well positioned to build on this position. Since the formation of the company, the strategy is unchanged, and our results in 2006 extend a sound and healthy track record. In the upstream, the company continues to bring resources through to reserves and then to production. Our 2006 organic production growth, including our 50% interest in Slovniv, was greater than 2% on a barrel of oil equivalent basis. And we have delivered greater than 9% production growth annually on average since 2003, far above the original forecast and more than double the Russian industry average and KBP has replaced more than 100 percent of our production with new reserves each year from 2004 onwards, and in 2006, we secured extensions of our two largest production licenses for the supergiant Sametlore field to 2038. Since 2004, we have accessed new licenses containing an estimated 5 billion barrels of oil equivalent of risk resources and continued a successful exploration and appraisal program. In 2006 alone, the company secured 23 new licenses, and our expiration and appraisal drilling success rate was over 60%. In the downstream, we continue to enhance margins. Last year, TNK BP completed the major upgrade of the Razan refinery, which allows us to produce European spec products. We retail under two separate, well established fuel brands TNK and BP. And we are expanding these retail activities, having rolled out a new TNK brand offer at 68 sites in 2006, with approximately 150 more planned in 2007, focusing on our three primary markets of Moscow, St. Petersburg, and Kiev. And the BP retail brand also continues to be very successful, enhanced by the launch of BP Ultimate Fuels this past September. The company is also quietly developing the gas business, and we have announced plans to increase associated gas utilization through investment of more than $1 billion over the next five years. As part of this, we entered into a 50-50 partnership with Sibor, a Gazprom subsidiary for gas processing in our core West Siberian production area. In parallel, we continue building a foundation for major new gas projects in Rosspan and Cavicta. Both are large resources, which will require major capital and technological investments for the long term. Kvicta particularly seems to attract much attention, and it is worth noting that no reserves have been booked for this project. The company continues on a path of sustainable investment for longer term growth, and the portfolio is evolving accordingly. And this slide shows the simple inputs and outputs of capex and production. As we foreshadowed at the time of the company's formation, we have reshaped the portfolio. And in 2005 and 2006, we completed the sale of $4.5 billion of upstream and downstream assets to increase focus and take advantage of very favorable market conditions. And on the acquisition side, just last month, we purchased the remaining 50% of the Van Vanyoganev JV from Occidental for $485 million. We know this asset very well and its attractive synergies with our core Sametlore area and offers some 1.4 billion barrels of oil-equivalent resource potential. Our initial production growth, driven by asset optimization and well work, is now being complemented by the application of improved water flood management to underpin production. And our initial view of the improved recovery potential from our reservoirs is being borne out. And you may recall that every 1% in recovery factor of our five largest fields adds some 750 million barrels of oil equivalent to our reserve base. In 2007, we expect to increase CapEx spend to around 3.4 billion of which around half will be invested in existing fields where we plan to increase our drilling and sidetrack activities significantly. Despite the maturity of the core fields, we expect to see production broadly flat to 2009, growing thereafter with the contribution of new green field developments. We shall also continue our long-term programs to improve HSE and integrity performance, particularly in refineries, pipelines, and gas utilization. The balance of the capital program is in greenfield developments, exploration and appraisal programs, and downstream investments. And over the last year, we have taken a conscious decision to rephase some of our greenfield developments. This will ensure that our activity is aligned with our organizational capability and the supply chain and that we execute it in the most efficient way possible. We believe this is the right way to create long-term value. As these projects move through to development, we will create a portfolio capable of delivering sustained growth based on continued exploration success new greenfield oil developments, and best practice of mature field management, all underpinned by tailored technology application. And the major gas fields offer additional long-term options when the necessary commercial frameworks can be put in place. We continue to build for the long term with a substantial resource base of more than 20 billion barrels of oil equivalent of non-proved resources at the end of 2005, In 2007, our development focus will be in the Uvat area of West Siberia, the giant Veknachanskoye field, or VC field, in East Siberia. And in Uvat, we are constructing roads, pipelines, and field infrastructure, progressing the first production hub and continuing our exploration and appraisal program. On VC, we, together with our partner Rosneft, are carrying out additional appraisal activity and are progressing an early oil scheme to link the field with the East Siberian Pacific Oil Pipeline, which is now under construction. And we also continue a focused appraisal and pilot program in the Bolshehetsky area. In exploration, we continue to spend on new access and exploration, which has averaged more than $250 million annually since we commenced operations. And our focus is in Orenburg, the Uvat, and Bolshehetsky areas of West Siberia, and in East Siberia. Access costs are very competitive, averaging only nine cents per BOE on a risk basis. These projects are predominantly oil, and as I've said already, we have a very large and long-term options in gas. Our Kavikta regional project is now delivering gas to local customers, and we continue to appraise full field developments of both Kavikta and Rosspan. Both will require alignment with Gazprom, we continue to work with this, and despite the occasional headlines, I'm optimistic about progress. Since the joint venture which was created, which created TNKBP, was announced in February 2003, BP and its Russian partners have committed the company to delivering production growth and introducing new technology to the business. We have done this, and we have also built for the future, developing a conveyor belt of greenfield projects and a track record of successful exploration. The company is also delivering on its commitments to improve corporate governance, to increase transparency, and provide minority shareholders with the ability to share in the profits of the business. And I know we are making a real contribution in Russia in several other ways. We are one of the largest taxpayers in the country, in 2006 paying more than $20 billion in taxes, duties, and levies. Ultimately, the goal of building a world-class and successful Russian company is dependent upon people. We face the same capability challenges as everyone in the industry. We have a talented workforce and are committed to their development with some 150,000 man-days of formal training having been delivered since 2003. We are also able to tap into BP by way of secondments to accelerate skills, development, and broaden experiences. So, putting aside the ever-present headlines about Russian companies, T & has come of age as a Russian oil and gas company. This is the fourth successive year of consolidation delivery and progress of the company, and in that period, we've built a stable and robust and attractive business. I remain optimistic about the future and our contribution to our shareholders, BP and Alpha and Access and Renova, all working together, committed to the long-term success of the company. Thank you, and now back to your
2: time. Thank you very much, Bob. Let me now discuss the overall level of investment in the e segment. This chart shows the level of capital investment over the last three years and a prove- projection for 2007. 2006 capital investment was around $12 billion, excluding our $1 billion investment in Rosneft. It included around $1 billion impact from sector specific inflation. In 2007 we expect capital expenditure to be around $13 billion. The exact level will depend on the dollar exchange rate and our continuing ability to offset around 3-4% to of the sector specific cost escalation. We continue to see very strong inflationary pressures in all parts of our supply chain. For exploration and production within BP we have seen price increases, There is some 14% in 2006 in the marketplace, a level we expect to continue into 2007. This brings the overall sector-specific inflation that we have experienced to more than 35% over a three-year period. We have offset around 11% of these capital cost increases over the three years through a combination of technology, demand management and supply chain management aggregating demand, and making longer-term commitments to our suppliers. Let me give you some examples. In 2006, the market rate for offshore rigs rose on average by around 44%. Because more than half of our fleet was on long-term contracts, we mitigated this rise to an average of around 34%. Similarly, we have secured more than 80% of our U.S. onshore rigs on long-term contracts with a limited number of suppliers. Also shown on this chart is BP's share of TNK BP and Pan American Energy's capital investment. Neither is reported as consolidated BP capital, but both are important components of our overall economic investment. Both these operations are biased to brownfield development of onshore oil and gas. Consequently, we are able to generate high incremental volumes in these areas for relatively low capital investment. Pan American Energy and TNK BP... Are able to fund investments from their own cash flow. On this basis, total EMP investment in 2006 was $14.8 billion, and we expect that to increase to around $15 billion in 2007. In the face of the continuing very high levels of cost pressures in the industry, we're determined to take a disciplined approach to our capital investment program. This is about focus, exercising rigorous quality through choice progressing only the most material opportunities and ensuring that we do not pursue options where there is not the capability to execute efficiently. We will manage the pace of major projects to ensure that we are not drawn into long-term commitments made in the current overheated market and, where necessary, we will slow down to preserve long-term value. Like others in our industry, we are seeing the effects of the current or high oil price environment impact the costs of people, supplies and services. From 2004 to 2006, we experienced cost escalation of around 7% per annum, of which we were able to mitigate between 1% and 2% through technology demand and supply chain management. The primary reasons for the increases have been general wage escalation, especially in the petrotechnical disciplines, as well as increases in logistics, engineering and seismic services. We expect that we will see continued sector-specific cost escalation of around this level over the medium term until supply and demand rebalance. As with capital expenditure, a focus on supply chain management is an important element of our programme to mitigate market cost escalation. Across the business we are generating significant savings by aggregating demand, making longer-term commitments to suppliers and, where appropriate, locking in rates. To give some examples, in the Gulf of Mexico, long-term contracts with options to renew have meant we have the use of seismic vessels for most of 2007 at 2005 prices. Similarly, we have also single-sourced 80% of our marine supply vessel requirements for five years, with inflation capped at 3%. In Alaska, indexed agreements for trucking services in 2007 will result in cost increases of 2% for BP versus market rate increases of 8%. The desire for a greater share of the higher rent available in this environment is not only restricted to suppliers of goods and services. Governments have already moved to raise taxes. The UK is a prime example. But over the last 12 months, tax take has also increased in Alaska and Venezuela. Together, these have an approximate annual cash impact of around $800 million in the current environment. Furthermore, in this environment, our barrel entitlements under production-sharing contracts have been reduced and development costs across the portfolio have increased. Consequently, we expect to see continued rising depreciation per barrel. Before I talk about future production, let me remind you of the evolution of our portfolio over the last six years. Over the last six years, we've divested a significant number of assets, which had reserves of around 2 billion barrels of oil equivalent and production of around 530,000 barrels of oil equivalent a day in 2001. These divestments were made on strategic grounds to improve the quality of the portfolio and we realised around $14 billion of pre-tax cash proceeds and around $4 billion of pre-tax profits. Over this time period, the retained portfolio has grown from 2.9 million barrels of oil equivalent today to 3.9 million barrels of oil equivalent today, a compound annual growth rate of around 6%, driven by the acquisition and subsequent growth of TNKBP. Underlying growth in the new profit centres has been relatively constant at around 13% per annum, driven by the delivery of 33 major projects and has more than offset decline in the EPCs. I'd now like to give you new guidance for our expected future production rates. Relative to our projections of February last year our production forecast has been impacted by five things. Firstly, we further increased our focus on safety and operational efficiency and will in some cases deliberately slow the pace of our activity in order to improve its safety and efficiency. Secondly, we are using a higher price assumption of $60 rather than $40. This reduces 2007 by around 100,000 barrels a day and 2009 by around 300,000 barrels a day. We are using a higher oil price not because we think the oil price will be $60 but because it is a more conservative basis on which to project volumes. Thirdly, we made divestments in 2006 that will reduce 2007 production by 130,000 barrels a day, around 60 from TNKBP and around 70 from the remainder of the portfolio. Whilst we will continue to review the portfolio and make adjustments in line with strategy, we have now completed the major portfolio high grading and would not expect future divestments of production at this level. Fourthly, the delay of Thunder Horse and Atlantis in the deep water Gulf of Mexico impacts 2007 by around 150,000 barrels a day and 2008 by 100,000 barrels a day, but has little impact by 2009. And fifthly, as Bob has already mentioned, TNKBP has taken steps to match the pace of greenfield development with organisational capability. This reduces BP's projected volume from TNK-BP by around 90,000 barrels of oil equivalent a day in 2010. We're also allowing for operational efficiency issues a reduced ability to execute effectively at a time when the industry supply chain is operating at full capacity and for the unexpected. And as I've mentioned, we're deferring some activity due to an overheated supply chain which we believe will deliver increased value. Lastly, and most importantly, we've learnt much from our experience over the past two years, and I'm incorporating these lessons into the more conservative guidance that I'm giving today. The key remains that our reserve and resource base is strong. The issue is the timing of production. So our new guidance is more conservative than in the past, and we believe conservatism is the right path to take at this moment in time. In 2007, we expect to pr- production to be broadly flat between 3.8 and 3.9 million barrels of oil equivalent today and to grow thereafter. This takes into account 130,000 barrels a day impact on 2007 of divestments made in 2006. On the basis of a price assumption of $60 a barrel, and our current portfolio, we see production at more than 4 million barrels of oil equivalent a day by 2009 and more than 4.3 million barrels a day by 2012. Our portfolio is lengthening and we will be able to sustain growth further into the future. I'd now like to turn to our resource base which underpins the potential for sustainable growth. This slide which I first used last year describes the movements in our resource base over the 5-year period beginning in 2002. You should note that the data shown here is on an SEC basis and therefore not directly comparable to the data we showed on last year's slide. Over the time period we produced 7 billion barrels of oil equivalent and moved 8 billion barrels into proved reserve from major projects and infield activity. In the top left, we added around 7.2 billion barrels through exploration and on the top right, 8.3 billion barrels through appraisal and reservoir evaluation activity. And finally, you see the impact of A&D across this period. So to summarise, over the last five years, excluding acquisitions, we've added 15 billion barrels of oil equivalent to our non-proved resource base and 8 billion barrels to proven reserves. We've extended our total resources and reserves to production ratio from around 34 years to around 41 years whilst maintaining a proved reserve life of more than 12 years at the same time as we've grown production by around 500,000 barrels of oil equivalent a day. I cannot overemphasise the importance of our efforts to improve the recovery factor on the 200 billion barrels of oil equivalent hydrocarbon in place across our portfolio. To date, we have produced 38 billion barrels, an average recovery factor for the portfolio of just 19%. Producing the 19 billion barrels of proven reserves will increase the recovery factor to 28%. Moving to the currently foreseen recovery limit would yield a further 41 billion barrels. This is equivalent to an additional 29 years of production at current rates and would take the recovery factor for the portfolio to 49%. In addition, there is a significant volume of hydrocarbon which is currently unrecoverable using today's technology. We believe over time we will be able to extend existing technologies and develop new technologies which will help us access part of this. These include recovery of viscous oil in Alaska, tight gas in North America, and low-salinity water flooding, which has widespread applicability across much of our portfolio. Simply put, as we continue to increase the technical limits, a 1% improvement in recovery equates to a 2 billion barrel prize. So, if I can summarise the EMP segment. 2006 was a disappointing year. We experienced operational problems in Alaska and the North Sea, and delays to Thunderhorse and Atlantis in the Gulf of Mexico. All of these occurred in an environment where the supply chain is stretched to breaking. And despite these difficulties, we managed to stay focused and continue to make solid progress in the implementation of our strategy. We continue to see the benefits of a focused exploration strategy with a number of significant new discoveries in 2006 and important new access in a number of areas we continued our track record with 13 years of reserve replacement of 100% or more. We expect production to grow to more than 4.3 million barrels of oil equivalent a day by 2012 at $60 a barrel, underpinned by a slate of major projects that are advancing steadily, strong performance from TNKBP and a growing opportunity set arising out of successful exploration, new access and our strong incumbent positions. And as I've indicated, we face some major challenges with operational issues to overcome in Alaska and the North Sea. Continued upward pressure on costs is putting earnings under pressure, especially as oil and gas prices are no longer rising at the pace seen over the past three years. Outside of my priority of safety and operational integrity, we've taken the decision to slow down in a number of places in order to manage costs in the current environment into to ensure that we execute in the most effective way possible. Government take continues to edge up. However, we believe we are as well placed as any company in, in our industry to meet these challenges. We have a strong and growing resource base in our major incumbent positions, which is being progressively unlocked through the deployment of focused technology programmes. With a renewed focus on safety and operational execution, I'm confident that we have the basis for sustainable long-term growth. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Let me now hand over to John Manzoni. Thanks,
4: Tony. Thank you, Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I'd like to briefly describe the activities of refining and marketing with a particular focus on 2006 and 2007. And I would like you to take away three main messages from the next few minutes. That we're focusing great effort on safety and integrity that we're building out from a very difficult 2006, improvements should continue through 2007 into 2008, driven mainly by Texas City, and that we're continuing our disciplined execution of strategy, and the business has been improving all the time. I must begin with the recent publication of the Baker Panel Report on Texas City. The report was issued on January the 16th. The panel provided a set of recommendations and insights which will help to accelerate our journey toward process safety excellence. This has been a major focus for our organisations, especially over the last two years. We have many actions underway as a result of the Texas City incident of 2005, including setting up a new integrated operations management system, initially across our US refineries, but later more broadly. We are now in the process of reviewing the panel's recommendations and many of these are fully consistent with the actions that we have already begun. We have committed to fully implementing those recommendations and we will build them into our work programmes in a considered way which will ensure sustainable improvement to our process safety performance. We have already signalled increased integrity spend in our US refining system. It has been increased by half a billion dollars to an annual average of $1.7 billion over the next four years, including turnarounds, maintenance and integrity projects. All of these projects are expected to improve safety, reliability and availability over the long term. Stepping back, we've learned fundamental lessons from the Texas City incident. Process safety, along with personal safety in the environment, is a major focus. It is the first priority for our organisation, and it is a long-term journey. Returning now to 2006 and 2007. This slide shows the volume and type of feedstock processed at Texas City in 2005 and 2006, and the forward plans for 2007 and 2008. Throughput more than halved in the second half of 2005 as Texas City was shut down due to a loss of steam related to Hurricane Rita in September of that year. We took the opportunity to fundamentally improve standards, engineering practices and procedures at the plant as a result of the shutdown. 2006 was a low point in Texas City throughput as we began recommissioning the first process units incorporating our new standards. Since the shutdown, over 15 million man-hours have been worked at the refinery, refurbishing and recommissioning process units, as well as retraining personnel and introducing new procedures and standards. As you know, crude processing started uh, in April 2006, building to around 250,000 barrels a day by the end of last year. Most of the feedstock currently being processed is light, sweet crude. Looking forward... We expect the first half of this year to be similar to to 2006 in terms of the type of crude processed, but we expect the percentage of high-value products, that's gasoline, diesel, jet and aromatic feedstocks, shown on the chart here by the orange line, to increase through the year as major upgrading units are recommissioned. During the fourth quarter of 2007, we plan to restart the refurbished second train of the refinery, bringing the total crude throughput to around 400,000 barrels a day by the end of this year. The second train processes mainly high margin, heavier sour crude. This should significantly increase margin capability in 2007 as the overall produ- proportion of sour crude into the refinery rises from around 15% to around 60% by the end of this year. In terms of financial impact, Texas City lost around 1.1 billion dollars in 2006, excluding the costs associated with litigation. Based on the schedule of startups uh, underlying this chart, and depending of course on the refining margins through the year, these losses are expected to be at least halved in 2007. Learnings from Texas City have had impacts on availability beyond Texas City itself, and that's shown on this chart. The slide shows total refining system availability from 2004 to 2008. 2006 is a low point. While we would normally expect system availability to be around 95%, the low point reached in 2006 was just 82.5%. This figure reflects reduced availability in many parts of our system in 2006. One example of the broader impact is how we have applied new standards and work processes around turnarounds, which have increased turnaround times in some cases by up to 30% in 2006. We expect to learn as we go forward, reducing the impact of new procedures on future turnarounds. Our expectation is to be back at normal availability during 2008. For Texas City and for the system as a whole, 2006 was the point of maximum financial impact. We will focus on building back from that point through 2007 and into 2008. I want to make a brief comment on our refining portfolio strategy and investment plans. This chart shows a view of our strategic positioning. We continue to believe that the US is an advantaged location for refining capacity in the medium term due to the import supported margin structure. 55% of our capacity is in that location. After location, we see two other sources of advantage. First, complexity. The chart shows BP has more complex refineries than others, allowing us to make high specification products from cheaper crudes. And second, size and scale, allowing us to access economies of scale. So we have advantaged refineries in advantaged locations. Our strategy is to continue to invest into the complexity and upgrading capability of our refining portfolio. This allows us to capture better unit margins when margins are high and also ensures the portfolio remains robust should the overall refining margin weaken from the exceptional levels seen recently. And we also continue to adjust the geographical position of the portfolio to optimise our exposure to the expected margin outlook. We've recently announced the sale of our Coriton refinery here in the UK, at the same time We are working options to improve the positioning of our European portfolio to meet diesel demand in this continent for the future. We have a significant suite of investments planned which will further strengthen the quality of the portfolio. These investments include the $3 billion investment at Whiting, which will enable the 400,000 barrel a day refinery to process 85% heavy Canadian crude compared to less than 25% today. But there are others, including the commissioning of a coca at Castillon, site reconfiguration at Bion Oil and hydro investments at Norefco, all expected to be completed by the end of 2008. Overall, between now and 2012, our planned investments should enable our refining portfolio to process 65% high-sulfur crude, up from 52% today, including Texas City, as well as increase the gasoline and middle distillates production by around 100,000 barrels a day. So from an advantaged set of assets, we have plans to continue investing to assure its position remains at top quartile. And those investments are specifically targeted at ensuring the portfolio is robust in the event of softening refining margins. Turning now to our marketing businesses, the strategy is focused on three priorities, and I'll touch briefly on each. First we continue to invest into the quality of our offers to maintain our margin generation capability. For example, in 2006, retail sales stores growth uh, grew ahead of market at 4%. Ultimate Fuel continued its growth to represent 10% of the branded volume with its margin contribution almost twice that in markets where it's sold. And net marketing contribution with our 15 largest business marketing customers grew by 15%. These examples are important indicators of our continued focus on offer quality, which is especially important as product prices continue to rise. Our second priority is to focus our capital employed by decapitalising many of our retail markets to franchisees so that we can maintain a high-quality branded presence but deploy our own capital into other opportunities. During 2006, we reduced the number of company-owned sites by almost 900, which is about 10% of the portfolio, and released around $800 million of cash. We will continue along this journey in 2007, and I expect around $700 million of divestment proceeds, depending on the exact timings of the many transactions involved. And thirdly... We are continuing our drive for efficiency, which is critical in any circumstances, but especially so in the current high-price world. In February last year, I outlined a two-phase programme, intended to deliver at least half a billion dollars by 2008. This slide shows some measures of progress on that journey. We are firmly on track and even a little ahead in some parts. Phase 1 is a rationalisation programme across our marketing businesses shown here by reduction in headcount. This underpins delivery of cost efficiencies and we believe we are ahead of our phase one target. We expect to reach full run rate for these reductions during this year. Phase two is the design and implementation of improved systems for our marketing businesses. We are making good progress and the first rollouts are planned to occur early in 2008. These are expected to deliver additional efficiency as well as improved capability as we roll them out. The combined impact of our investment in marketing capability and cost efficiencies results in the steadily improving ratio of gross margin to distribution and administration costs across all of our marketing businesses as shown on this chart at the bottom. Finally, here is an outline of our investment patterns for this year – Organic CapEx is planned to be around $4 billion, up from $3.1 billion in 2006. As you can see, most of the increase is in refining. This is focused on integrity, Texas City refurbishment and the upgrading projects that I outlined earlier. Spend in the marketing businesses is broadly constant, although this year it does include some early planned investments in biofuels manufacturing capacity. I expect disposals this year to total around $2.5 billion and comprise mainly our Corriton refinery and continued retail decapitalizations. And finally, to return to my three main messages, I've touched on each. First, we're focusing on improving the safety and integrity performance of our entire system and we have built-in expenditure to do so. I'm looking forward to having Texas City back on the schedule that I've outlined today. This will be a major strand of financial improvement during the year, along with continued delivery of the efficiency programs. And lastly, we're continuing the disciplined execution of strategy both across the refining portfolio and our marketing businesses which should continue to improve our business all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you and
0: back to John. John, thank you very much. Given the time constraints today, I will only provide a brief uh, update on gas, power and renewables. We gained considerable momentum during '06 and see significant growth opportunities in '07 and beyond. In particular, gas remains an important part of our portfolio. We will continue with our strategy of capturing a greater share of the growth in global demand for gas. Our LNG marketing and trading business continues to grow substantially. We're the second largest producer of gas amongst the IOCs. We're the world's largest marketer and trader of gas amongst the IOCs. In wind, we're on track to develop around 450 megawatts of wind capacity by 07. We've established one of the largest development portfolios in North America through the alliance with Clipper and our Greenlight and Orion acquisitions. And in solar, our capacity grew by 100% to 200 megawatts in 06, and is expected to grow to 300 megawatts by the end of 07. We announced last week that we've selected the University of California at Berkeley and its partners, the University of Illinois and the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory to establish the BP Energy Biosciences Institute. Now Vivian will be happy to take any specific questions on gas, power and renewables after our presentations. We also plan to hold an investor event to discuss progress in alternative energy later this year. Now putting all this together, in 06 the, the total group capital expenditure was about $16 billion in line with our guidance last October. For 07 our organic capex is likely to be around $18 billion as we continue to increase investment in all our segments including alternative energy. Continuing sector inflation is expected to add over a billion dollars this year. In addition, we expect our share of the capex for associated companies to be around $2 billion in 07. If you add these back to get a feel for the investments made by the group as a whole, you get a level of around $20 billion in 07. And the exact level of capital expenditure will, of course, depend on a number of things, including the actual level of sector inflation that we experienced this year and any one-off investment opportunities which further our strategy. Our dividend policy remains unchanged. It is to grow dividends per share progressively. In 06, dividends per share grew by 10%. During the period 01 to 06, the dividend per share in dollars grew at an average of 12%, supported by the share buyback program. Since 01, we have undertaken buybacks worth $39 billion. Our per-share measures of value have been enhanced, an important outcome of our strategy to grow and distribute sustainable free cash flow and our primary emphasis on shareholder value growth. Our approach to the level of gearing is also unchanged. We continue to believe that a gearing band of 20 to 30% provides an efficient capital structure and the appropriate level of financial flexibility. We started 06 below this level due to the proceeds from the sale of Innovene and have stayed in the 15 to 20% range for most of the year. We ended 06 at the bottom of the gearing band at 20%. Overall, 07 will be a year to get back on track. We expect improved financial performance starting from 4Q07 as new ENP projects start to come online and Texas City continues to ramp up. Specifically, we expect production to be in the range of 3.8 to 3.9 million barrels of oil equipment per day under an oil price assumption of $60 a barrel and our current portfolio. Organic capex of around $18 billion. Total group cost to grow in line with sector inflation and distribution policy to remain unchanged. To summarise, Our main priorities are safety and performance. We hold high-quality assets consistent with our strategy. We are committed to act on the lessons learned from our U.S. experience and are implementing the recommendations of the Baker panel. And we have a robust financial framework. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to those presentations.